0: Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Chipperfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Quinn Rose to the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Quinn has an impressive background as a former reporter and co-producer of a documentary. Her stories and interviews have aired in 256 countries, reaching a TV audience of over 1 billion. Quinn has uh, since started the Story-Based Brands, where she continues to break records around the world, helping brands tell their stories for impact. I am so excited to have this conversation as I love to write stories and tell brand stories, but Quinn has the amazing ability to put them on camera to really make these brand stories come alive visually. So welcome, Quinn. No, thank you so
1: much. Yeah, I'm honored to be here.
0: Yes, so excited for your knowledge today. And before we dive into some of the content, I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about who you are and what your mission is.
1: Yeah, um... Well, I'm a native Portlander, and I've been back here in my hometown for about two years. And shortly after I moved back is when I started Story Based Brands, my my baby, my first baby now, because um, I have <laughs> a, a second uh, company with a co-founder that we do events coverage. Um, yeah, so growing up here, I just I had been watching 60 Minutes when I was a kid um, as my family with my family, and it was kind of this idea that story is really the way to move and shake things up and to make real change. So I decided I wanted to be a journalist when I was 10 and I wanted to move to New York City. And so I did when I was 18. And then I ended up, um, yeah, doing the documentary you mentioned there and... um and making an impact. It was mentioned in a federal ruling, It got 8 million views. And, and I feel like I felt like I did it in New York City, because it wasn't really like my home where I wanted to be forever. And so I then I moved to Brazil and thought Spanish was Portuguese, and it wasn't. And so I needed to learn Portuguese. And I just went on this journey, um, doing sports reporting down there. And Initially, I'd wanted to continue reporting on policing down there, but it was it was too dangerous. So it kind of has been this winding journey, ended up in South Africa. And when I was there, I decided, you know what, I want to do, speci- I really want to specifically do mission-driven video storytelling for companies I believe in, because video, I just believe, and story is so powerful. And so I, I moved back and and just been on this interesting path as a small business owner.
0: Yes, that's amazing. I feel like you've had the opportunity to live in places that I'm dying to visit, like South Africa and Brazil. I'm actually wanting to learn Portuguese right now because I want to go to Portugal. Vamos, so, uh, vamos
1: falar. A gente pode fazer juntos.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I have no idea what you just said, but it sounded amazing.
1: We <laughs> yeah, to it together. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's poetry. I truly just Portuguese. I, I feel more like myself, honestly, because it's a very emotional, fluid language. and. So I just feel like I get to be so expressive in really unusual ways, and um, I, I highly recommend it. So yeah, let's chat.
0: Yeah, yes, that's so cool. <laughs> well, I know you've talked a little bit about like the impact of storytelling, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of what is your storytelling philosophy? Are there certain elements you're always looking to add into the videos? Like What what kind of pieces are you always thinking about as you bring a story together?
1: Yeah, I, I love to share my philosophy. Um, so when I was a journalist, we always started from the end result basically, why would anyone care? And we worked backwards from there. It's cuz you're not trying to reach, you know, a big audience. You're trying to reach one person, right, with each story. So I have developed this philosophy which I apply to anything I'm working on this like 35 video <laughs> um funnel, email funnel, but also doing the written content for a, a client in Australia and it's just I approach each email and each video and any written piece of content with this idea, this concept of three parts, which is one sticky intro, like grab somebody 15, you have 15 seconds or even eight seconds in a video, or you have a quick sentence or two in an email or a subject header line. Um, So why is it relevant to them and make it interesting. I often use a quote. Um, I think like these very, um, I always use emotional quotes from people versus numbers, and then I'll put the numbers in like a subtitle or a you know a title card or something like that. So so grab someone where they're going to be interested, right? With your sticky intro and then the my middle part, my second piece of my philosophy is a compelling body. So kind of have this narrative that starts to build on itself. It connects to the intro, but it builds each piece of it um builds and builds and you can use music if you're doing a video to keep the the compelling aspect of it um This is whether it's a 30-second story or a five-minute piece, right? The sticky intro compelling body. And then the final piece is um, a memorable outro with often a call to action mixed in there. And that would be something like, uh, you know, this I'm (laughs) working with this uh, financial company and that helps people, you know, empowers people to manage their own money. So let's just use that as an example. For an outro would be something like a quote from a person that says something like, I never thought I could manage my own portfolio and now I'm making more money than I was when I had financials advisors <clears throat> managing it. So then that's your outro and then you do a, you know, you do your fancy like graphic or something with the URL, right? But that's kind of this, this hidden CTA of like that one person you're trying to reach can be like, whoa, I could manage my own portfolio too. Like I should check this out, you know, whether you're doing, financials, or I'm doing this donation drive. So it's for for bras, gently used bras, that's empowering women, um, small business owners who have escaped sex trafficking. So, So what's the relevant piece for that person that's watching your video? And then, you know, what's going to make them act? You know, I never thought I could affect so many people with my gently used bras, or I never thought I could get out of sex trafficking. That's the end, you know, and then something like that. So
0: I think that was a good
1: <laughs> mini workshop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. No, I think um there's a couple of things. Actually, the first thing you said has been a theme in a couple of podcasts about really thinking about starting with the end result in mind good, good, good. and making sure you know exactly where you're going. And um, I love how you talked about the hook as well and then also a call to action to make sure that people are engaging with the content, but then also know what to do next as a result. Of oh, definitely.
1: Memorable, it. outro, clear call to action with that URL, you know, emotional, like start. Okay. And another just piece would be, you know, it ideally your stories are a bow, like they're wrapped in a bow. So that intro is the opening and then that end brings it back to that first intro bite. Like that's a real crisp way to, you know, wrap it up and then have that emotional piece to it it's like that that story arc right it it starts and then it like kind of crescendo or it builds and then there's that crescendo
0: right yeah i love that wrap it up in a bow it's so important (laughs) and i think like you talked about the hook too i think it's so important to use something like a quote or to get people emotionally engaged right away Mm -hmm. sometimes i think if people are doing like intro videos for their business they'll start with you know the name of the business or the name of the founder and then it's that's not always the most important piece that really hooks people in because they want to know what's in it for them ultimately and not kind of just who you are, but they want to understand how they relate to your story.
1: hundred percent. I think for small business owners too. So if you're putting together a video, consider doing something like, you know, let's see. um, And this is how people or many people are seeing great, stock market returns by managing their own portfolio. Hi, I'm so-and-so and and I want to take you on this journey to help you X, Y, Z, right? So instead of hi, Mm -hmm. I'm so-and-so as your intro, which isn't sticky, doesn't relate. I don't know who you are and that doesn't hook me, right? So, and then, so starting with that, like what's the end result almost? And then the hi, I am, and I'm going to teach you. And this is why you should care, right? And then another just tidbit while we're on this the biggest error and mistake that I see on YouTube and, and small business owners and even bigger business videos, people rush over their name and most importantly, they rush over their company's name. So it's like people are, you know, I'll have to like go back on a YouTube video. What What is this company's name? And it's like, that's the most important piece to so slow it down. Hi, I am Quinn Rose with story-based brands instead of rushing through that.
0: Yes, I think that's such a great tip because we're so used to saying our own names and our company name that mm-hmm. it just rolls off our tongue so fast that, yeah, for other people to really grasp what you're saying, that's that's a great tip.
1: Yeah, the hot journalism tips, like that's <laughs> that was another thing when, when I was a reporter, you know, when you're saying numbers or when you're saying names, you just slow it down a little bit, especially for audio and video.
0: Yes, that's such great advice. So I know you've touched on your background as a journalist, and so I'd love for us to kind of drill into that a little bit more and talk about how do you go about interviewing people and, and what does that process look like? Are you preparing questions before? Or are you just kind of letting the conversation roll? What has worked best for you there?
1: Yeah, well, I never imagined that being a journalist for 10 years would be the perfect setup for marketing and video marketing so I'm really excited that these skills because I feel like in marketing you study like communications but you don't necessarily study people and stories so I'd love to see just I love this concept of of mixing the two and um, the advice that I have for people setting up interviews is well do lots of research so yeah like approach it like a journalist and just who are you talking to like I I, um, interviewed a some of this, the city council members in New York about this when I was doing the documentary on policing. And I started with, um, so you play ping pong, so tell me about that. And the guy just cracked up because nobody really like knew that about him. And that was a great way to just settle the interviewee because it's an artificial setting. But when you just be a person and be relatable, it's that's how you can get that depth with your answers. And then I always kind of think that the first answer well, to to many questions come, sometimes can be a throwaway because people just want to say what you know they're, they're talking points, right? So so then you so so grab onto something something in there in their in their answer, and then the meat is always in the follow up. And so I will prepare you know a, like three pages of questions, depending if it's like an hour interview or something, and I'll have it segmented out with you know history like background history. I'll try to get at emotional points, you know. Um, but And then I'll, I'll put headers, so like that way when I'm bouncing around in the interview, I get to keep that concept of, okay, this is a conversation, so let's keep it flowing. Let's not do questions one, two, three, four. Let's just keep it kind of generally on topic, and then I'll flow around through the questions, but then really listening for those follow-up questions is how is how um, I think people just end up sharing a lot more depth than maybe they're used to. I I try not to to even talk about products too. Like how how does this affect your life? When did you get into this? Why do you care? Why are you passionate about this? Those kinds of more emotional questions that will evoke a nice answer are great for testimonials or for interviewing a a founder. Um, Another just pro tip, back from when I was a radio reporter, actually this might've been back in the day for local news here in Portland at K2, when I was an intern was like, what's... um, And is there anything else to add? No matter what interview you do, that's the most, that tends to be this question that people are, oh, well, I guess I hadn't said yada, yada, yada. And they say just the most beautiful answer that you couldn't have expected. And so I brought that to the Olympics reporting. Like I brought that question all around the world and it's just a great one. I really like it.
0: (laughs) That is wonderful. And I love that you also touched on kind of getting those emotional answers from asking people about the transformation Mm -hmm. and sort of the end result. Again, not so much the features and benefits of the product or service or their story, but really focusing on really being of service to other people.
1: A hundred percent. And that's actually, I've done some workshops for nonprofits, and I'm currently consulting for um, some of them as they move their galas online. Um, and, And we're talking about, you know let's let's move away from our mission statement is or our mission is our philosophy is let's get at why you know larry and logan are amazing like are amazing humans and and contribute to the community and and the people like let's get at the individuals and tell their stories and how they contribute to the greater mission of the organization so don't spell it's it's again just back to this journalistic um adage of show don't tell don't tell me what something does, show me how it moved the people that it
0: affects. Oh, I love that show. Don't tell. (laughs) Um, I also love this whole structure for the interviews. And I'm curious if we flip it from being the interviewer to the interviewee and say you're a founder being interviewed for a video for your company or whatever the reason might be. Do you have tips for the founder for kind of preparing and, and getting into that mindset of the interview, especially if maybe someone's nervous being on camera?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, we've got the on-camera stuff and the content. So let's start with on-camera would just be, you know, deep breaths. It is, It is. can cause anxiety and just prepare for, you know, lots of lights, prepare for a mic, just kind of keep that presence too with your body language. So keep your head and shoulders back and, and, and relax and just take deep breaths. And don't worry if you pause to think about a question, that's a lot better than launching into something and rambling and not actually making like a important or a good point necessarily that's going to resonate with people. Speak from the heart. So let's get into the content. Um, certainly listening to the questions. I actually, one of my clients, there's a lot of TV interviews and I'm, consistently reviewing them with him and being like, okay, we need to listen to the question and answer the question. Don't go just with your talking points. Like people are going to hear when you don't answer the question. So listen to the question the interviewer asks, take a pause and think about it and then answer it. And then I, I like answering it with a story. Um, It depends on the questions of course, but if you can, you know, get across Well, when, you know, like, oh, when I was in Cape Town, I decided that I wanted to, you know, do this. And so I moved back to Portland to launch my business. So versus I started a business two years ago and I've had a business now for that long and I have this many clients, right? Like it's a lot more meaningful to both of you, both the viewers, that individual one person you're trying to reach with your words and you, if you tell them, you know, some that Say say things from the heart and, and talk about your journey and, and what it means to you uh, to, to, to create these products instead of, well, we have these products and they do
0: X, Y, and Z. Right. Yes. I think that's so important because it can be so easy to kind of be in that mindset of sales or trying to move forward in your business where it is, we ultimately, I think when we're asking each other questions about like, what do you do? Like we want that story of like, how did you get there? not necessarily that you sit at a desk all day and work with clients. <laughs> we definitely want that, that, that connection.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think right now the way that marketing and video and social media is moving, education-based marketing, marketing that gives, not tells, is certainly m- much more impactful than sales, sales, sales. I mean, especially now with the social media savvy consumer of all ages, really, and younger generations even more so, um, story, realness, authenticity um, is where it's at, right, to market. You you know, you need to be top of mind, but you don't need to be salesy. So share share your journey, share how your company is reducing, you know, its use of plastic and that instead without a sales pitch, right? Share your values through, through your actions, your everyday actions. You know, Gary Vee, one of my favorite things he says, I mean, he's very alpha and out there in many ways, but document don't create. I just love that. Like just show, show what you're doing. That is, that is creation. You know, that is content creation at its core. Like that, the fly on the wall is the story. That's when you get the cinema verite, the moments that happen in front of the camera. That you could never have scripted, never have planned.
0: Yes, I love that, and I love the idea of the education-based marketing. I mean, that's what I teach a lot of my clients is to to really lean into your values and like how can you create content from those values, if it be on your social media or your email marketing. And again, it's like bringing people along on your journey, and the people who resonate resonate with with you the most are going to want to participate and be a part of that. And so I think that's so so much more powerful for building long-term relationships and kind of building a community around the brand as well. I think that's how we ultimately create the impact that we want to have.
1: Exactly, cuz you're building not just brand loyalty with one person, but you're building advocacy in 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 each person that is your fan, because they're going to say, even if it's shaving cream, well, I really like this shaving cream, because they're, you know, reducing their environmental impact, or or because they're, they've launched more biodegradable products, okay, then my sister is going to use it, then she's going to tell her friends in San Francisco, you know, then, like, it's, it's, it's still person to person marketing, right, even though we're billions now of people, and that's why it's not about broadcasting a salesy message, it's about, more broadcasting those values that's going to reach that one person that may become that brand advocate for you without you even needing to do anything other than to connect connect with them more
0: deeply Mm -hmm. yes and that's a great kind of segue to my next question which maybe we've already answered but if we're really talking about the power of video and why it's such a great tool for connection i'd love to see if you have anything else to add there
1: Well, I could definitely rattle off a bunch of numbers about how, you know, 90% of the time people spend online or even on their phones is watching videos. So that's, that's one piece. But when you get at the core, I think, I mean, people are reading less and less. So that's certainly a thing people are used to being on these devices. Um, So to connect with them, in an easy way that they can just click play or it's already playing when they scroll when they've scrolled onto it and they just can just relax into it and that yeah they've gotten that sticky intro has caught them okay now their their interest is peaked let's see what else is going on in this video you know okay then it's it's like an easy way to consume media especially when we're so stressed and anxious especially now with covid and just in general this fast-paced life it's a nice way to to just connect without giving them a long article or a sales pitch in, in a in a print ad or something like that. I just feel like video has always been a deeply connective medium uh, and and a way to convey quite a lot of information in, in a succinct time period like back when I was a kid watching these 60 minutes episodes, right? It's like you know, 8 minutes and I got this whole just depth of an issue and I got to hear a bunch of different sides and and see what the impact on the world is or the or the country or whatever particular issue that is and I think also you know just that visual sense of visual medium I mean we're we're visual learners as well as like aud- audible and and uh and I think that video itself combines that in a really nice way that makes it just easy like you remember when you were a kid and it's like oh the subs here we get to watch a documentary or watch a movie in class like you still pick up so much from these these stories and the way that they're woven together um so i think it's a great way to convey information while actually keeping the attention with which is certainly you know less and less these days it's harder to focus with with so many distractions and our attention
0: spans like seem shorter than ever. I know mine does. I know. I do feel like that is kind of almost like a concern of mine with video because I feel like we're going to have to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter videos. (laughs) Um, And so it's kind of, it's all such a creative challenge in a sense. It's like, how do you get an entire story through in like 15 seconds? If we're talking about like social media, for example, I don't know if you have any thoughts on social media and using video specifically, and how how someone that's running a small business can start to leverage that.
1: Well, I think there's a couple pieces to unpack. You're shorter and shorter, true. If we're on social media. But if it's a good story, if it's compelling and if I'm your target audience, I probably am going to want to watch a little longer like these financial videos. I could make them my usual 90 seconds or two minutes that I do for website videos, but I'm pretty sure these people care about their retirement and if I've kept their attention long enough that they're going to spend another minute or two watching and listening um, to, to what my interviewees have to say because it's an important subject so if you craft the story in a right way it's going to get that additional click to continue watching or or even just continue watching in itself so that 15 seconds yeah for sure that needs to catch my attention and start building right away about why this is important but I do think I do think that videos can continue to be you know longer and and I just don't know. That it's also you need to be aware about your platform. So I guess when we get into the advice, like if you're doing social media ads, yeah, they need to be super quick, super catchy. Like we just did this ad about this woman, empowered woman, and how she manages her finances in 15 minutes a week. Never thought she'd be able to manage her own portfolio. And she's kicking ass. And that's a 15-second ad. And it's got great music, great visuals. I'm really proud of that. And then – her longer testimonial video is like a three minute video um, that again, builds, fleshes out her story more, which is going to live on the homepage. So it's not going to live on, it's not going to be a Facebook ad, right? So being aware of your, your platform, your target platform. And I do personally create, prefer to create content that's native to each platform. So Facebook is a very different breed of, of mindset, you could say of the viewer's Versus the mindset of someone or it's a different breed of video um, because of the mindset of the people who are there scrolling or probably on their computer at work or something like that versus an Instagram, which is, you know, sitting at a bus stop scrolling through quick, quickly. So or versus your LinkedIn, which is that which is certainly probably at work and on a desktop and, um, you know, in that work mindset. So consider your platform for sure when you're making when you're making your content, both in length and in um, like actual meat of the content. Uh, yeah. I could go on
0: and on. Yeah, that's great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's great advice. And again, it's like being in that mindset of the consumer. And I talk about that too, of you're on social media versus your website. Those are different experiences, but I love that you brought up the fact that you're almost creating like one video and then editing it down depending on what platform people are consuming it on. So it's kind of actually, I love that you're creating like in your example that you used a shorter video for social media and then the longer videos on the website. Cause I think that's also a great experience. If you saw, you know, as the consumer, if I saw the social media post and then I go to the website, it's really cool to kind of then hear the longer story or just get more of that perspective As I'm learning more about potentially working with that company.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. And I think that's something that, if small business owners are going to spend the money on hiring a producer, a video producer to get that higher level of quality of content of a video, I would super encourage them to work with the video producer or the production team and get a lot more content than one shoot. Like, I'm amazed that people will, you know do a $5,000 homepage video and not realize that they have all of this content that they could be piecing into these 15 second, 30 second, one minute videos and have tons of video content from just that one shoot because it's the same amount of effort. Um, So let's just give you this example of this big project that I'm in, right? So I did five hours of interviews and then I'm creating 40 videos that are gonna be between 15 seconds and three minutes Plus the homepage video, which is probably going to be again, I usually say two minutes is good, but because again, this content or the topic is pretty particular, I'm hoping that people will actually want to learn about about it. So probably the homepage video is going to be two to four minutes uh, for the more complex material about retirement and accounts and whatnot. But um, you know, all of this from just the one quote unquote shoot, which was a virtual shoot because I did all the Zoom interviews, but. But it's all the same effort and then I'll I'll transcribe everything, which I know a lot of document or a lot of video producers don't really do, but I take this documentary approach and then I I transcribe everything. I get all these quotes, you know, from a one hour interview, I'll have like 22 minutes of their best quotes and then I'll weave my stories out of those best quotes, whether it's 15 seconds or whether it's that homepage video. Um, So that's kind of my process.
0: Yeah, that's such a cool process. I love that. And I love this idea of kind of taking that documentary and interview style. And it's not just about letting necessarily the client just write their own script, but it's really kind of, you're coming in with this outside perspective and really getting them to pull at those stories and pull at those kind of golden nuggets that are going to resonate with the audience watching. Yeah. So I'd love to maybe switch gears a little bit. I kind of want to go back and talk a little bit about your documentary that you were a part of and talk a little bit more about like why impact is important to you. And I'd love for you to share more about that process of putting together the the documentary that was used in the court case.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I, I love you know talking about this project, even though it was, was it almost well, about eight years ago now, um, but I, I'm so proud of it. So, as my, in my last year at NYU, I ended up reporting on this stop and frisk for my one year thesis project. It was a like a four or five person class with this professor who was Emmy award winning, you know, CNN executive producer, amazing human being who you know, certainly changed my life um, and has made me a better reporter and and storyteller. Um, But so I ended up having the luxury of spending eight months with this stop and frisk movement. And these are uh, cop watch. This isn't back in 2011, 2012. So I would go to Harlem at night with my my camera and yell at police about how it was legal for me to film them because they were like, stop filming. And I was like, this is my right. And then they would you know, it was a really amazing experience. I went to the Bronx. I went to court cases. Um, I toured or the home of Ramarley Graham, who had been murdered by police after throwing a bag of weed into his uh, toilet bowl. And that's actually who I've been marching for when I marched this summer in Portland for about two months. That was the sign that I carried, because um, it really affected me. He had been chased by police into his home. So it was... Um, An incredibly moving issue to be a part of, to be able to learn about and and tell the stories of the people um, that were involved in it. So this was from my NYU thesis documentary, which then was in our honors um, film festival. And then I ended up linking up with Ross Tuttle, who we, he was producing a piece um, about policing on the, at the time. And so he ended up asked me to be the co-producer of this piece and and this young man Alvin who had been uh, there was a recording of him being basically you know racially abused by police or because of his his race Um, and so he didn't talk to anyone it took me over eight months to get him to talk to me on camera and then this documentary um, Ross and I put it together after uh, which had pieces of mine and pieces of his work and no one wanted it. The New York times didn't want it. Um, but the nation ended up wanting it for like a thousand dollars and it was, it cost so much more to to produce. And, um, but we went for it. And then the very next day, the mayor and the, they were having this city council meeting on safety and policing, and they ended up arguing about it. And I went to the hearing and they were arguing about the documentary. And did you see this? And it got a, a million views overnight. Um, four million on like hip hip hop star three and a half million on the nation's YouTube just it got so many views so it was just incredibly powerful and made an impact I mean I went back to Oregon and I ended up like meeting someone from Alaska and they're like oh yeah well, I saw that documentary I was like oh my gosh like this is this is I yeah I I was part of the three-person team that that made it happen and just really proud. And then when I was in Brazil, I remember walking down Copacabana, um, beach and I got a message about how, um, it was going to be mentioned in a federal ruling against this policy that overturned stop and frisk, um, and said that there were elements of it being unconstitutional. And actually before that I had gone back to New York to, and I was interviewed by, uh, ABC on their, for Nightline, their show. And, um, and usually Ray Kelly, the police commissioner at the time, he never does interviews, but he did the interview. And I feel like because, so then he was in our piece too. So it like wasn't as much of it would have been just about us and the documentary and, and the movement. And then he got in there and got his talking points. And so it was uh, it was an interesting journey that, um, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting too, because Alvin, the young man who was 17 at the time didn't want to be the face of this movement and so it was an ethical dilemma of like now he's been seen millions of times and he never interviewed with anyone else ever even CNN or anything and I don't you know we tried to kind of set him up with resources about um, you know work and, and school and things like that but um, you know I don't, I don't know what the impact on his him has been so it was it's an interesting thing when you think about telling someone else's story um just that that line of like you you need them to tell the story to make the impact but how has how is it impacting them um so yeah that was the journey
0: <laughs> yeah what's that's incredibly impactful work and so important even today but i think that's so such a good perspective to bring to about having impact not only in the work you do but then also considering the people who are part of that and making sure the impact for them is also something that is positive ultimately um, and hopefully alvin is doing great
1: i try to check in every once in a while but uh you know i haven't heard from him actually in a couple of years now so anyway i certainly hope he is but i don't usually give prior review to um people but because when they ask sometimes i i do Well, if they, if they ask, I usually do, but it's because people just like, we made these videos about this finance, this woman, you know, empowering herself financially. And I sent them to her. She'd asked to see them. She was like, Oh, it's so hard to see yourself on camera. And I was like, these are amazing and they've really impacted. Even my editor was like, really, just, she was like, oh, she's so wonderful on camera. And we just thought she was fantastic. And again, the interviewee subject was like, not real happy with seeing herself on camera. She was happy she didn't have any edits, but she was just like, oh, I just, seeing myself on camera is so tough. And it was like, oh my goodness, what a shame.
0: I feel like that is one of the biggest hurdles for people (laughs) is kind of like hearing the sound of your own voice or just like that fear being on camera. Yes. Do you have any tips for people as they are kind of watching, <laughs> re watching videos, if it be for their website or for their course or on social media? Well, it's
1: funny just to peek behind the curtain. The way I'm going to answer this question is with a story because I just, that's how I feel like I want to get across the information. And I just think that's another important tip for your interviewees when they're being interviewed to just think about okay, when in my life was this relevant? Because that's what's going to connect with other so, so yeah, for me, you know, I did a year of vocal coaching when I was a radio reporter and it took me several years to get comfortable with my own voice because it's more of a quote unquote specialty higher pitched voice, despite that I'm in my thirties. Um, and it's still, I didn't, I don't think it's certainly cringeworthy anymore as much as I was, but it's a, it's a journey. It's it's journey of, of self-love and self-acceptance to just, focus on the positive. Like when you see yourself, excuse me, on camera or, or you hear yourself instead of, Oh my gosh, I did this, this, and this wrong. Well, why don't you try flipping the script on that and try pointing out three, three things you really like about yourself and just holding those things. You can, you can always improve. We can always improve. That's the journey of life, but like, it's almost an even harder journey to focus on. Well, I really like that I said this, or I, I, I like how I sounded here or that I looked directly, you know, I I showed my emotion here. I told this story that I'm really proud of. Um, I think that's a a practice of building that muscle instead of the criticism muscle, but building that muscle to appreciate yourself because, you know, if you think about it, if you're you're coaching or you're training a kid, every time they come back for feedback, if every time it's negative, they're just going to quit but if every time it's you're just focusing in on that positive stuff that they did well they're going to put they're going to lean into those places and those negative things maybe will fall away or at some point you'll address them
0: yes i think that's such great advice it's very easy to focus on the negative. And I think even for me, as I've done more video and even with this podcast, I have found that just the more I've heard my own voice, the more I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's my voice. (laughs) It's almost like you said, it's definitely that muscle that you're developing. And for me over time, it's kind of like, oh, it is what it is. That's who I am. And yes, I'm improving here and there and each time, but it's still the fear, I think for me, has kind of gone away, which is really exciting because you're really just focused on the content and the message you're providing. And again, those connection points with the audience.
1: Yeah. And that passion is what's going to come through. And that that authenticity again, it, no one's going to sit there. Well, I mean, maybe a very select few people that are not Maybe great people are going to sit there and think, oh, I don't like the way that this sounds or the way she said that. It's going to be, oh, wow, that's an interesting message or this or that. But if you yourself focus on the negative, then it's more likely for others to focus on the negative too or for you to clam up and not share authentically. But people are so much more kind than we are to ourselves. So just think about that.
0: Yes. Great advice. (laughs) So I know we've talked a little bit about your past work and your current work, but I'm curious if you see any future trends in the way that video might be evolving for the future.
1: Well, I think, well, if you if you think about editing styles, I think it's going to be more flashy, almost more of that like '80s, uh, colorful. Effects that you add to to videos, especially social media. If you look at like Gen Z TikTok, you know these quick, flashy um, kinds of editing styles and and design effects. But in terms of content, I do continue to believe deeply in just human story, and them, and even more of that as we move forward. As younger generations are fed up with talking points and politicians and being fed how can i say um bs right <laughs> like um yes <laughs>
0: very appropriate um,
1: you know we're just over that as a as a community especially with covid it's kind of like let's just get to the point here let's get to why i care and what why this matters to me instead of just listening and regurgitating things that aren't relevant. So I, I think even more so, yeah, just these points that we've been talking about are gonna continue to be to be what shapes the future of story, especially social media. Like and when more and more young people start 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 starting their own businesses, they're just gonna share who they are and that's what's gonna attract followers and ultimately buyers of whatever they're selling because they're gonna be so real and um truthful and authentic online it's just going to ooze into people the right people wanting to work with them like there's this saying, you know there's a shoe for every foot like some people are not your shoe and you don't want them to be why would you want you know fans or or followers that that don't like don't like what you're putting down just put down what you feel and and what's authentic to you and you're going to attract you're just automatically going to attract the the shoes that are meant for you.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> we all want a shoe closet of the most ideal shoes, right? Yes,
1: for every occasion.
0: <laughs> yes. So when should maybe like an entrepreneur or business owner, when would someone maybe consider working with a professional like yourself versus trying to DIY it at home? Kind of walk through that process a little bit of that, making the decision to hire an expert. Mm,
1: that's a good question. Um, well, I also do want to just first answer, like when you, when you have made that decision to work with a professional, if they're just talking tech and budget, it might not be the right like see what you know do a bunch of consults with people and see what they're they're going to focus on and what's you know again how they're going to tell your story because if you're hiring someone to be your microphone if all they care about is budget and and technicals it's just to me that that's always a red flag if I'm hiring contractors or something um and then back to your question of when of when do you start uh hiring well I mean obviously there is a big financial aspect but I think for social media even Instagram or even LinkedIn like which is now going more and more to video actually um the quality doesn't need to be five-star Hollywood like just try just do your first Facebook live just say things from the heart do video inter or video Instagram posts just see how they do play with it like have fun then But for something like an educational series or a course or a homepage video, um, unless you're going to do like just a basic, hi, I am, although you already had your, your nice intro. So like, this is how I impact people. Hi, I'm Quinn. um, But like, unless you're going to do a simple, something simple like that. So if you want. Maybe a little bit of drone footage or or images of your office or someone to follow you around your office and interacting with people for a few hours. Then I would definitely consider hiring hiring a, a small team. You know, couple one or couple people um, to tell your story and to make that more professional professional um, look and feel.
0: Yes, that's great advice. And so before I ask my last question, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can connect with you further.
1: Well, um, I guess they could email me (laughs) or check out my website. And I I do offer workshops periodically. I did a lot more in person and sometimes we'll do them online. But uh, Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N at Story Based Brands dot com and you can check out story based brands and then I guess I could open up my my Facebook it's like I think it's more it's not searchable right now but Quinn Rose on Facebook I do post a lot of just my life and my like I said I'm doing this donation drive right now so that's on Facebook and yeah so we could try to connect on Facebook (laughs) Awesome. I will
0: definitely include all of that in the show notes yeah. as well. Okay, cool. Yes. If anyone is thinking about having videos that they need for their websites or wanting to be able to tell their story better, I definitely cannot recommend Quinn enough. Okay. I think she does amazing work that's very impactful.
1: Yeah, thanks. And with the and pandemic, so- I've been doing more consulting as well. So I think helping people define their story has been a a fun thing and and how to tell it online for sure a virtual in a virtual setting i miss uh, live shoots i know and we've done a couple with masks and ppe and everything so yeah just you know any phase of of that whether you want to do a workshop or some consulting or considering a bigger video
0: project um would love to chat amazing and so my last question for you is how does being intentional show up in your life or business
1: Interesting. Interesting question. It's almost because like my journey has has not been a straight line. I mean, it never is. Like it was the journalist. I wanted to make an impact, you know, and then here I am doing video marketing. It's like, I, I didn't intentionally set out to do that. I, I didn't think I would ever really be in the corporate sector. Um, so, but what I can say is being intentional about what comes my way, and listening to that, and sometimes what comes my way is what I'm meant to do versus what I would have thought that I was meant to do or what I had been hustling and trying working so hard to do. It's like that concept of surrender, like surrender to what the universe has in store for you and then intentionally approach that. Um, you know, I do a lot of meditation and I'm quite a spiritual person, so listening to To the signs slowing down getting out in nature I mean I used to work weekends and just seven days a week and the burnout was nuts so taking the time to be you know full digital detox like I often do it just a 24 hours of my phone off which is a true joy um and just connecting more deeply with myself you know there was a um an interview I think it was with JP Morgan or something and they were talking about how oh it was on a podcast and they were mentioning how Jamie Dimon has like takes a full half day to just ponder things and I was like whoa! like can you imagine us small business owners just like scheduling out oh Cooper's having quite the dream here um (laughs) (laughs) small business owners you know just Scheduling that time in to just take a walk and think about things. Like I think that's how you connect more to your, in, your intention um, and your source and, and why you're doing it all and to keep that in front and center as you move through. Like I have my bulletin or one of my many whiteboards. I believe in what I do. That's under my to-do list section because I do and I have to. And that's why I don't take on certain projects or certain clients because if I don't believe in the mission, I'm not going to fully show up for them and that's not fair to anyone, but me showing up for the missions and the causes, like, that's what jazzes me up, and that's what makes work not work, right, and that's what it's all about. I don't know what my future is. I don't know if I want to stay in corporate video, um, and we'll see. We'll see. It will, it will unfold, and, and I have to trust that,
0: so... Oh, that was so amazing. I love that. And that great reminder about surrendering to the universe, because I think it can be so easy to get caught up in our to do's. And like you said, for a small business owner to take like a morning off to go walk and ponder. I mean, that sounds so luxurious, but I'm like, maybe I'm going to ca- calendar that in next but week just necessary. to try it out. Maybe yes. it's just an hour. It's necessary. Right.
1: Don't take your phone, you know, or just and not like I've been even listening to less music, which I listen to a lot of music, podcasts, and audiobooks. And you know, I just realized that I need to start just being with my thoughts. Even if I'm my phone's on airplane, if I'm still playing music, I'm not really with my thoughts. And the other thing, like yeah, I I mean, I ended up so I was I did work in marketing for a year after college, um, here in Portland at an agency and. Then they fired the entire content team right before our two week Christmas break. I've never had a day of paid vacation in my life. It's such a shame. But anyway, that's (laughs) that was like I was about to take my first two weeks of paid vacation. They fired the entire content team, and I was like, oh my gosh. So I moved back to Brazil, and because of that, I ended up getting that courtside Olympics gig where I was this, you know, I was the beach volleyball reporter for for this 256 countries, which is totally, I love that we're wrapping this interview up with a bow. <laughs> no but seriously, like that was the most amazing, one of the absolute most amazing experiences of my entire life, never planned it, never would have planned it. And I had just gotten fired. So it was like, I never would have thought that that the universe had that in store for me, that like, hey, you're getting fired from this job that you don't like in marketing so that you can go to Brazil. and interview all these amazing athletes and like gold medalists and right after their medal matches and just like create all these stories and they're going to go everywhere. And I had my own camera person and my own assistant and I spoke Spanish, Portuguese and English on my reporting. And it was just like mind blowing. And when could you have, when could I have, you know, especially even when I was like, Oh, New York city's not for me. Well, I guess I'll just take my frequent flyer miles and go to Brazil. And like, when could I have thought that that was going to set me up to speak fluent Portuguese and get the Olympics gig?
0: Yeah. So amazing. Gotta surrender. (laughs) You might end up at the beach volleyball, just living a dream. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Quinn. This has truly been a wonderful interview. And I think so many great things to think about when it comes to telling our stories on video. Mm. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, if there's just one thing I would add, that is to enjoy the journey, because that is the destination. Like, I didn't enjoy many of the things that I did, even the Olympics, it took, you know, I was just hustling. And then I realized I looked up and I was like, oh my gosh, there's only a few days left of the games. Like I need to enjoy this experience to the max, but like just enjoy, just have fun doing the podcast, have fun doing the video. Like what's the point otherwise? And, and that will also come through in in the energy that you bring to it.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's so true. And I love that you brought it back to that last question you normally ask people is if there's anything else that they want to add. So I might have to start adding that into the end of my podcast. <laughs> try it. Seriously. Try it. <laughs> I hope I will. people Definitely. see it, Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much again, Quinn. I appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah, this was super, super fun. Thanks again for for having me onto your show.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system.